LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we have an extremely unique topic that we're going to get into. And we've been talking about, if you uh, listen previously, engaging in God's Word, how to get, how do you, how you can engage in God's Word and how to get the folks you lead to engage God's Word. And one of the things that I have found that is kind of a warning sign or a way to determine if your people are actually engaging in the word. And as a small group minister, I would notice this all the time. My people in my church, I'm sure you've never experienced this, but the people that I would leave would say, it seems like we're doing the same things over and over again. This study seems redundant. Uh, this topic, you know, we've gone over this topic before, and what I, I didn't know then that I feel like I understand now is that they were not truly engaging in the Word. They were seeking some new, fresh insight. Yeah. And so, like you've said many times, here in the West, we look and seek out more knowledge, new insights, some exciting truth that we can say to someone, hey, check out what I, I learned this week or I learned in my group this time, instead of how do I respond to the things that God is teaching me and showing me? Yeah, we get this question all the time. People ask, okay, I've read the, the F260 Bible reading plan. What next? <laughs> we get it all the time. That, that's it. Do you do it again? Yeah. Do you mean <laughs> yeah. I have to read this plan yeah. again? Once you go through, I mean, think about this, how silly that is. Once you go through the Bible, do you just put it on your shelf and say, I've read it? Yeah. That's why we always like to say, you never graduate from the Bible. You don't get a master's degree in the Bible, meaning you don't get a certificate for completion. Well, and I think to myself, are they are they just wanting a different plan to quote unquote change things up? Well, it's it's a mindset that um, we've all bought into, and the idea is we get graded in our society on completing tasks or completing books or completing courses, and so we don't read, as we said last podcast, for transformation. We read for information. And so, and we don't read for intimacy, we read for information. And that's a very different way. And I, I said this last week, and I mean, I know, it's, I know it's a pretty provocative statement, but I think most Christians, most, are reading the Bible uh, incorrectly. Uh, not, not incorrectly, that's probably strong, are reading the Bible not to the fullest. Mm, meaning They're not getting their most out of it. Yeah, here's what I tell people. The Bible's kind of like, a, uh, kind of like an ocean, okay? So right. you look at it as when you, take, you, get, you, you become a Christian, you go out on a boat ride. When you get out on the boat ride, you look over the side of the boat, and you can see some fish, and you can see things in the water, and that's surface-level reading. You're just kind of skimming the surface. But then the, 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 the captain comes over and says, hey, Got a couple snorkels in the back. If you guys want to get in, there's a reef down below. You're like, wow. You mean you can go down deep? And you're like, yeah, I can do it. So then you dive in, but and you can go down for about a minute as long as you can hold your breath, but then you have to come up. And, man, you, you unlock a whole new level of depth that you didn't see on the surface. But then you come back up, and the captain says, if you really want to go deep, 
we've got a scuba diving tank in the back. You want to do, oh, sure, sure. You mean I go that deep? Oh, yeah. And then you go down to the, and that's how scripture works. There are so many layers and levels that you never exhaust the depths of the word of God. Sadly, most Christians never get out the boat. They're skimming on the water. They're looking down. Wow, there's probably some cool things down there, but they never get into the deep water. So we should get to the point where people say, hey, we've studied this. I can't wait to study it again. <laughs> well, and Wouldn't that a, be a unique place Well, to and get? here's the thing, too. I have read the original F-260 plan that we created. I piloted it back in 2012, or I think 13 is when we piloted it. Uh, it became official in 2014. I read through it all of those years until this year, 2019. I changed and read the New Testament 260 plan. So for about five years, I read the regular F-260 Old Testament, New Testament plan. And the reason I kept reading the same plan with different discipleship groups, here's why. The plan affected me differently because I was at a different season of life. So even if you read the same scripture you read yesterday, today, the same, te- the same text, it's going to affect you differently because you're at a different stage of life even than you were yesterday. You're in a different frame of mind. You're in a different mindset. You're in a different, you're in different circumstances. It's a different context. Different context. And that's what makes the word of God living and active. Now, we read this, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, dividing joint and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of our heart. We hear that. But for many people, the word's not living and active because it's stale words on a page. So what I want to talk to us about today is how do we move beyond transactional reading to more transformational? How do we move beyond information to intimacy? And, and in doing so, you've introduced an intriguing title, yes. one that has me wondering what you're going to say. Yeah, the title is, How Do We Read Like a Benedictine Monk? Benedictine Monk or Benedictine? Benedictine Monk? I don't know. We need to go to our fact. Fact checker, Mr. Dylan Young. Dylan? Is it Benedictine or Benedictine? It could be a preference, but look it up because we're, we're, we're never satisfied. <laughs> not that it's a competition, but I know I'm right. And you I try, make well, sure. you're probably not right all the time, but you are right some, but not all the time. Okay. That's true. That's so true. here's the thing. We have to understand that the Eastern culture didn't just hear for listening only. The Eastern culture, when, the, when you hear the word in the Old Testament, hear, Okay, or when you read the word hear, hearing always leads to obeying, right? If I had a Bible, I could show you. Let me see. I have a Bible. We've got several in this room. Yes. No, I have a I have a I have an app. They're all around us. We have it on our phones. We have have it on our Bible in this office. I have a physical one right here within arm's reach if you would like to take a look at it. No, no, I got I got it right here. You can thumb through it. I got it right here. You gotta thank God I got a phone. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna show you two texts. Uh, when God says in Deuteronomy four to the nation, listen, Israel to the statutes and ordinance I am teaching you. He doesn't mean just incline your ear to hear something. The word listen or hear is actually the word that means to follow or do. Did you know this? So when he says, now watch, watch, how, watch how the verse reads. Listen, Israel, to the statutes and ordinances I'm teaching you to follow so that you may live and enter and take possession of the land. The very next chapter, Deuteronomy 5, chapter 1, he says the same thing again, in case you missed it. Israel, listen, hear the statutes or the ordinances I'm proclaiming proclaiming to you as you hear today. Learn and follow them carefully. 
Deuteronomy 6.4, this is the one we know. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And teach them diligently to your children. Live them out. Bind them on your hand. Okay, so here's what that means. We have gotten into this mindset in the American Western church that to hear means to read and to grow means to just listen. And so what we do is we come to church every Sunday, we sit idly by, we take notes and we go home and do nothing about it. We, uh, we come to but service. But we got those notes. But we got those notes. We can when always was the reference last time? that awesome insight. Well, here's the thing. Let's be honest. When was the last time you pulled out sermon notes from your pastor, pastor after you left the service? Well, it's not fair because I lead my life group from I my know, notes. That's so last saying. night. At Long Hollow, we don't do <laughs> last that. Last night. Well, here's the thing. That's case in point. At Long Hollow, I'm pretty certain if you ask Colton, you'd say the same, Dylan. I would say most of our people who are in a life group would say that's never the case. Here's why. When you're aligning, this is what's so cool, and we've done podcasts on this, but when you have an alignment between the sermon and the life group or small group, it forces your people to reinstate to repeat, to reiterate everything they heard on Sunday later in the week. And so yours last night, what did you talk about? We talked about the sermon of Noah. And the Nephilim. And the, ne- <laughs> and the Nephilim. Now, we didn't spend that much time on the Nephilim. We did talk about it for a little bit. But we spent more time on, uh, there was a specific individual in a video who had an immaculate beard. I don't use that term loosely. But it was, was the greatest what, beard I have ever seen. It was seen the in my greatest life. beer, but that had nothing that to do with the sermon. With the sermon. <laughs> but it did monopolize a little bit of our time. But it, but it was uh, it did coincide it with did the go- with the service. <laughs> no, we talked about grace and favor. Wow. And how uh, you know, Noah had that favor and how it applies to our life, how we experience having God's favor, grace in our lives. Yeah, so what you just did is you multiplied the impact of the Sunday morning message by two. So you move from information to more transformation. Okay, let's get into this. Uh, one of the one of the greatest uh, monks of all time is a guy named St. Benedict. Uh, greatest in the sense of his legacy is still today. Now, I know what people are thinking. Why are we talking about monasteries and monks on a discipleship podcast. It does seem weird at first. It does seem a little weird. I have, uh, over the past maybe eight months, and you know this, personally been studying uh, monasteries and uh, and monks, and, uh, and and whether it's, a you know, they've got evangelical monasteries and Protestant monasteries and Catholic and, and so all ranges. And I'm not studying so that we can go in seclusion and right. isolation. To be living. clear, we're not advocating that you step out, throw on a robe, and go live in silence at a monastery. Right, somewhere. that's not what we're it's not what we're trying to get. However, I am, now, however, <laughs> I am going to visit a monastery in the next few weeks. You want to check it out, see what's going on. In fact, just for those listening, uh, I have already booked my stay, by the way, okay. at a monastery. <laughs> not going to mention the monastery, but I will, I will come back and report. Yeah, we want I to hear. Taking, I'm eager to hear the, about the experience. I'm taking a four-day retreat okay. in silence and solitude in a monastery, and I'm going to try to participate in all seven of the daily activities of the monks. Now, here's how it works. And somebody said, that's pretty easy. Well, the now, first... Are they playing yard darts? Is there chess? What do no, monks do? What no, are these that's seven, a good question. What are these seven what daily do monks activities? Do? What do monks do? Okay, do here's they what they do. wash the robes? No, here's what they do, okay? Based on St. Benedict's rule, 
And around 560 AD, he came up with this rule. And what he said was this. Now, now, and, and listen, I, I'm not saying we, I'm advocating for the, the monastic life, but what I'm saying is this. We can learn something from everybody in Christendom. And the challenge, for those who are getting nervous, let me just, let me just encourage you and, and settle you down. One of the things I've learned in the Christian life is that um, we need to be okay with reading insights and learning from people outside of our tribe. We can get so narrow-minded and so focused and rigid inside of inside of the, the the lines of our tribe, we never learn anything outside. And so, you got to be careful though when you read outside of your right. tribe. And you learn. Know what? we're not we're not trying to change our theology. Right. We're just learning and gleaning. So here's what I tell people. You need to learn, and I'm from South Louisiana. We ate fish all the time, and we love seafood. But what we learn in South Louisiana is you eat the meat, but you need to spit out the bones. And so if you have a foundation where you can discern the difference, you're able to do this. Okay, so here's what I want. We'll leave this before we take a break, but let me just say this. The monastery is built on the St. Benedict rule of order. And so he created this in 560, and it has stood the test of time, Chris, now for 1,500 years. If you go to a monastery today, they are still doing the exact same thing they were doing back then. Okay, so here's the thing. Seven different times of prayer and services and silence and solitude. The first prayer and service starts at 3.15 a.m. Ooh, see? I don't think I could do so this. So I've, I've, I'm taking <laughs> I'm one of my staff out. members with me. He's going to go with me. He's already said he's been wanting to do this for his whole life. And I said, if you go with me, Monday through Friday. You got to do it all. We're doing it all. Oh, wow. I don't want you messing with me. Don't be, you know, joke. I mean, we're going in. We're going to do this thing. So 315. The second service is at 630. The next one is at 930. Then you have a noontime gathering at noon. Then you come back at 3. Then you come back at 6, I think uh, 630 or 7. And then you have to go to bed. Because you have to be up at 3 o'clock again. Before we get into more details, we need to take a brief break. But I will say that I'm interested in the dietary situation at the monastery. What kind of food is being ate or being eaten? Yes. At. Eight is, I can tell you right now, we don't have to look that up. <laughs> Eight is not right. <laughs> that is true. Uh, let's take a brief break. And I just want to ask you a question. What is our disciple-making jumpstart, and how can it help those listening to the podcast? Yeah, the disciple-making jumpstart is really a simplified way for us to help you implement a disciple-making strategy in your context. It's a start-to-finish process where we give you kind of a jumpstart over the next 30 days with daily emails with weekly videos, and with personal coaching. Uh, it's a simplified way. A lot of people say, I, I want to make disciples. I don't know where to start. And when people don't know what to do, they don't do anything. So you can check this out. In addition to that, we're going to give you two videos that we have taken from our our whole blueprint. We do a discipleship blueprint training. We've done this now for about five or six years. We have extracted those two videos one of which will help you change the disciple-making culture in your church, the second of which will teach you exactly from start to finish a one-hour session on how to implement, start, and reproduce discipleship groups And you'll be able to create your own contextual, customized disciple-making playbook that you can act on and spend the next 90 days implementing in your church. Check it out if you want to know more about it at disciplemakingjumpstart.com. What guides your core beliefs? Are they founded upon solid truth, or are they based on others' opinions or your own emotions? What you believe about your purpose and value affects almost every area of your life. 
This is the premise of the new film Overcomer in theaters August 23rd. It's the latest from the Kendrick brothers, makers of Courageous, War Room, and others. This movie has inspired the creation of several resources. For small groups, there's the Overcomer Bible Study. For individuals, there's a book called Defined. Both are based upon powerful insights from the book of Ephesians. Learn more about all the resources at lifeway.com slash overcomer. And we're back here on the podcast. We've been talking about, uh, oddly enough, monks, and we're trying to get to something uh, that will be helpful for you uh, by way of this uh, scenic route. To be clear, though, it is Benedictine. We did prove that one. The Benedictine. Benedictine. With the T-I-N-E, yeah. Unlike Augustine or Augustine, which is accurate. Augustine is accurate. August uh, Benedictine is also accurate. So two sides of, of coin. So... Let's talk more about the monks. Not necessarily what they eat, which is what I'm in, interested. Well, I'll tell in. you what they eat. Okay. They don't. Do you know they don't eat meat? Really? Yes, they don't eat meat. Do they eat the occasional fish? Uh, they eat fish, but I found this out recently. They don't eat meat. They actually grow all of their own vegetables. Obviously, they're in seclusion, so they probably need to do cheese uh, curds. Uh, they'd probably be cheese curds. Okay, then I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Cheese grits? (laughs) Cheese grits, maybe. I don't know. Okay, let's get back on. Okay, so I'm not advocating uh, all of what they do, but here's what I'm saying. We can learn from them because what St. Benedict realized was that we need to learn and build our whole community on the Bible. And so he encouraged them to be in the Word at least three hours every day. Okay. Now, again, they left the culture of society back in the day, and obviously, you can't really carry out the Great Commission by being in seclusion. Absolutely. Isolation. So, for those listening, you're like, are these guys even sharing the gospel? Are they thinking it? Once again, we are wholeheartedly saying you should share the gospel. You should be as evangelistic as possible. We're not advocating that you leave society and go live in a monastery. What we are saying is, when it comes to reading and applying God's word. We are skimming the surface generally as a Christian culture in America specifically. And how do we dive deeper? And so I think you hit on something there when you talk about it's not just time spent. It's what we're doing in the time that we spend that matters. Okay. Let me tell you how they read the Bible. This is where I want to, this is really what blew me away. Uh, They created something called Lectio Divina, L-E-C-T-I-O Divina. Many people listening have never heard this, including me uh, up until recently. It was a four-fold strategy for examining Scripture, okay? It was a four-fold reading plan for basically moving beyond shallow, surface-level reading to more of a deeper being present with the word, letting the word living and active, the breath of God speak over you, okay? Here are the four levels. Most people never get beyond level one, most people. The first level is you read it on a literal sense. This is more of an exegetical way of reading, so you understand the text. This is how you hear sermons on Sunday. This is how you read the Bible, okay? But what they said is there is a deeper level that you get into, whereas more it's more of a Christological Uh, insight. Christ-centric. Right. So you move past the reading to what in Latin is called meditatio or meditative reading, where now you're starting to see Christ and contextualize the meaning for your life. Okay. So now you move from what it says. Okay. So what does this mean for me? What, What does this have to do? So you're more pondering the text. Okay. The third level of reading is called oratio in Latin or behavioral, 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 
behavioral. Behavioral. <laughs> we, need, we need a fact check. It's early. It's early in the morning. Behavioral speaking, le- I mean, reading level. And this is a level here where you're conscious about how this looks in your life. So what you're now doing is you're living out the meaning. So you move from uh, reading the text, you move to more meditating on the text, and then the third level, watch this, is you apply the meaning. Now, what's interesting is, as I was reading this, one of the things we teach and, and replicate is to do a hear journal. We tell people, don't just read, do a hear journal so that you can engage with the text. And as I was reading this, I started to think, this is almost exactly what we're doing. Think about this. Exegetical reading is the E. The applicational reading is the behavioral part of this. And then the response is, how do I live this out? You see what I'm saying? But here's the fourth level, and many never get here. Okay, It's called the mystical level of reading. Easy. See, this is where I get nervous. I know. know. This is where I get nervous theologically. The mystical level of reading. (laughs) That's not something I want to get excited about. It's another, they call it the complacio or the contemplative way of reading. So really, contemplation versus mystical. Mystical sounds weird and crazy. Uh, Contemplation sounds normal. Yeah, well, you do whatever you want with it. Okay, but here's the reality. This way is you're allowing the Spirit of God with the breath of God in the Word of God to really speak with you. Watch this. Not to get, this is the big one, not to get something from the text, but to be with a person. That's what you're, and this is where many of us are saying, I don't even know what you're talking about here, and and it's even hard for me to understand this because, Nobody's talking about this. So, but what they said is when you spend time in the word at this level, you, you're meeting with a person. You're being with someone. Okay. Now, here's the thing. The way to read this way is not long scripture reading plans where you're reading the Bible four to five chapters a day. There's no way you could do this. What they actually say is you have to slow down where you're actually reading one book for six months. One book of the Bible. If that book is Jude, then that could get... One book... Well, that, that's a lot of reading of Jude. <laughs> but hey, but I here, understand. But here's yeah. what they're saying is, sometimes you read and a, and a phrase will speak to you. Sometimes you read and a word will speak to you. Sometimes you, you read and you're, just, and you're just wanting to be in the presence of God and thinking about... Another thing I thought was interesting, too. They said, when you read this Christological way and you're contextualizing the meaning, one of the key, th- this is so cool, one of the key ways to do this is by actually putting yourself in the story. So when Jesus is giving out the, the loaves and fish, you're imagining yourself taking some of the baskets and picking up the scraps. When Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, you're actually envisioning yourself on the side of the hill with him, and you're and and so I started doing this recently. It really brings the Bible to life. It's no longer words on a page, letters strung together, checking a box, right? It's I'm trying to meet with God, and that's just a way for us to just move beyond which we think casual surface level reading to more of a contemplative, meditative, behavioral way of engaging with the text, not to get something from God. But in a sense, to be with God, which is ultimately we say all the time, uh, quiet time, spending time with the Lord. What does that look like? We say it all the time, but what does it really look like? It's a great, great explanation. Some great insights from the Benedictine monk method of reading the word. Uh, I just want to remind you guys that, that we are members of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family. Um, we have some friends over at Group Answers. This is Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel. 
Uh, we love these guys. They do a great job. If you're leading groups or if you're in charge of, of all of the groups in your church, this is a great resource. Some of their topics have been uh, building a growth track, building a spiritual pathway, and how to raise or how to write sermon-based Bible studies. So just look up Group Answers on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple-making, resources related to disciple-making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.